0: I realized I made a slight miscalculation when I said I would speak tonight. I didn't realize that my daughter would be running the video, so my apologies to those online if she, I'm at her mercy. No, she does a great job. But um, uh, it, it, is, it is great to be able to, what effectively is a continuation of a Sunday school series that we did in August. Um, some people were able to, to be in a little bit of that, but I wanted to keep continuing a little bit of that uh, theme, although it was on money and our relationship with money. I'll look at an aspect tonight, I think, uh, that will be very helpful called uh, stewardship. And so before we begin, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, we rejoice and thank you for this time to gather around your word, to consider some passages of scripture and how they can affect how we think about Uh, money and change our perspective on how we spend our time here on this earth, our very brief time. I pray that we can be effective uh, in stewarding the things that you have given us and that we will understand how better to do that from your word. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Just to give you a little insight into that series is we kind of built it off some key points and we went through different aspects of that and that sometimes we think of finance kind of sometimes separate from spiritual things we might think that way well in this case financial matters do always concern the heart money matters always involve an identity and we broke these all apart deeper um, so we won't have time much time to go through those but you don't fix debt with a budget the war of debt is not about sums of money but about the object of your love God's goal for your money is generosity, which we'll touch a little bit on tonight, and there is amazing grace for your money struggles. So when we face money struggles, and we will at different times in our life in different ways, there is God's grace. No matter what that position is, where we find ourselves, there is, um, God has grace for our money struggles. It's one of the most common topics that Christ talked about in his word, um, when he spoke, when we look through the, the, the verses of scripture that were recorded uh, that are Christ's words, it's one of his most common topics. He spoke on uh, eternity, specifically hell, but eternity a lot. He spoke a lot about the kingdom, and he spoke a lot about money. So kind of unusual that that was one of the more common topics. Sometimes it was an illustration, sometimes it was specifically about uh, money. And so what I want to look at tonight a little bit is this idea of stewardship and uh I want to think of it a little bit differently. If we love money and wanted to change, how would we change? If we had a sinful problem, how would we change? Well, Scripture gives us a very clear answer to that in Ephesians 4. To put off your old self, in verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through, through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And if you can see there, there's a pattern. And you've probably heard it perhaps preached from this pulpit. It's in many uh, great writings in uh, books by, by, by believers on changing uh, behavior. But you can see it there in, in the verses. The first one be to put off the behavior. Secondly, to renew your mind. And then to put on the right behavior. All three are very important to make any kind of a change. If we skip any of the steps, it won't. It, it, it's likely to fail. For example, if someone says, well, I'm just gonna have a budget and that budget will keep me from spending $1,000 a month on eating out, uh, that'll stop that behavior, but likely there's bigger problems that someone may have if they're d- putting that into their budget and they need to renew their minds and put on a better behavior. It's not enough just to stop one behavior. We have to start another behavior. And so let's look at those three things in regards to money, put off, renew, and put on. And so if we're going to put off, we're going to put off the love of money, and we're going to put that off. In a world that's broken by sin, it's going to affect everything. It's not just affecting us eternally. We saw in creation it affected creation itself. It'll affect everything, our relationships, our families, our education, how we respond to problems and react to problems, how the world does as well. It's going to affect everything, and money is an exempt, so we have sin affecting how we use money. Paul gives some specific warnings to Timothy about this. If there was a verse uh, that we turn to, or passage that we turn to about loving money, this is it. This is the passage. And so in First Timothy 6 it says this: "Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, we can take nothing out of this world. If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content." But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So if we kind of just briefly, again, we want to move to this third uh, uh, put on uh, uh, step. But on this put off step, let's break this passage apart just briefly If, at the end of the year, you told the IRS that you had great gain this year, the IRS, what would happen is they would send you a form requesting a donation, right? Um, They need some of that. Uh, We may say, if I said, would you like to have great gain, without defining it, you would say, well, that would be awesome. But the path to get to the great gain biblically, in this passage here, isn't the same as what the IRS gets excited about, because we think of that great gain as money. But here, great gain is found with godliness and contentment together bring about the great gain. So we have to understand that biblical way of living and riches and great gain are very different than the world's. If the world talks about great gain or riches, it always is about wealth, money, possessions. But that's not how scripture talks about it. So that's a little bit of renewing our mind and thinking on scripture. But in putting off um, uh, loving money, we see this in this particular passage. It talks again here about this very common idea. We know not, we can brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out. That changes our way of thinking about possessions. If we look at eternity, I mean, if we even look at just a short period of time, the time we have been alive is very short. That's how long's the United States been a country? A relatively short period of time for recorded history. Our part of that time is even less we go to, how long has it been since Christ was here on this earth? Well, that's this period of time. And our period of time is this. But now take eternity. What we're living is a very small sliver of our eternity. And yet sometimes we live as if everything we collect here is all that matters. There's a great warning here on the desiring to be rich. And I think sometimes we see this in some things, sometimes how we respond to events in our life. And the example I want to use here is, When we look at work, when we look at jobs, people may switch jobs. Uh, The younger generation right now is going to switch, they switch jobs a lot. It's just, it's, you may say, well, I've worked the same job with the same company for 35 years. That's been common for a while, but there's a lot of people that switch jobs. Typically switch jobs, you switch jobs usually to be paid more. That's a little uncommon that someone would switch a job and be paid less. But what's the first thought? Or a raise, maybe a big raise comes, and your first thought might be, here's this raise, here's this higher wage you're going to get for this job, now I can do this, I can buy this, I can go here, I can do this. We think of those things that are temporal things, that are acting as if we're living for here. It's not that we may not do some of those things, but is our first thought that, that oh, we have this extra money, what are we going to do with it and it involves our lives, not necessarily generosity or stewarding um, those things. If we love money too, it warns us here, there's a lot of bad results that can happen. Um, you know, no one here is going to say, yes, I'm absolutely in love with money. If I handed out a piece of paper with one question on the quiz and said, do you love money? It's the question, yes or no. Everyone knows we're supposed to circle. circle, no, we don't love money. But sometimes we we, we think differently or we act differently. Um, so for example, a good way to illustrate that, that I've, I've, I've observed a lot in, in, in life is when we talk to people, lost people, saved people, any people, what we've known for a while, and we say to them, how are the kids? What are they doing? Often they'll say, if they, if they can, if it's, if it's something that, that fits, what they're doing in their job. Oh, they're a doctor and they're up at such and such a place. Oh, they're a lawyer in this big law firm. Oh, they're studying to be a... And they'll, they'll reference the profession and the success of that profession, meaning the money. And sometimes when we, we, we see that in the world, and we may even do that a little bit ourselves... It's showing that we're placing an emphasis that money is what life is about. And that's not what life is about. Life isn't about what we do, our work, our job, our vocation necessarily. But it's about what we do to glorify God, how we live for the Lord. So that's the putting off. If we love money, we need to put that off. How do we renew our mind? A passage, I think, I was just reading just a couple um, weeks ago, I was reading through Hebrews and saw this particular passage here in Hebrews chapter 3, and thought it was interesting because of the, how it related back to the uh, Old Testament and some of the, the things that we know about the Old Testament. So in Hebrews 3, it says, twelve, verse 12, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Okay, that's something we don't want, right? We don't want to have an evil, unbelieving heart leading us to fall away from the living God. It says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For those who heard and yet rebelled, wasn't not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? was it not with those who sinned whose bodies fell in the wilderness and to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest but to those who were disobedient so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief so when we see this here we back up we see that we don't want to have an evil unbelieving heart don't be like the israelites the israelites give us some insight if we think back to what happened to them so when they left the promised land went through they saw the miracles in egypt then they went through the red sea and now they're in the wilderness What caused them, they said many times different things. What caused them? We could tell what's going on in their heart by what they said. They longed for the good old days was one of the things that they did. They wanted to go back to Egypt, which blows my mind, right? When you think what Egypt was like, it was slavery for them. Horrible, awful slavery. And yet in their mind had gotten so messed up in their desires, they wanted to go back to that. So they wanted to do that. They longed for the comfort of food and water. Many times, of course, we know they wanted water. And Moses had to strike the rock the first time in obedience, the second time in disobedience, um, to bring them water. They were provided food every day. Granted, it was the same food all the time. And they got tired of it, and they complained. They wanted tangible gods, despite the fact they had seen that incredible set of miracles in Egypt. And then themselves walked through the Red Sea, that, I mean, we could just go on and on about the incredible experience that must have been to suddenly begin to complain and doubt God, so much so that very shortly they're begging for a tangible God to worship, just like the Egyptians have. And so they made the God of gold while Moses was up on the, uh, the mount. I mean, we see that. That is incredible, their heart's desire there, because they wanted things. Something we may not think about much is the wealth that they had. So by many measures, they were very wealthy. So they had flocks. A lot of times in that time, the amount of animals you had was your wealth. But if you remember back, before they left Egypt, in the providence of God, God changed the hearts of the Egyptians so that when they were leaving, the Egyptians gave them immense amount of wealth, like they gave up their, their, their goods, their, the money that they had saved, they gave it to the Israelites before they left. There's no reason behind that. God worked, it says God specifically, put that in the Egyptians' hearts. They ended up with a lot of money in the wilderness. I don't know if they wanted to have a better life with that wealth, because they were intense. They were dwelling, walking through the wilderness. Everything was provided for, but they may have wanted more. I don't know that for sure. But regardless, they did have a fair amount of wealth With them in the wilderness because of what they took out of Egypt, plus the flocks that we know that they had. And it talks many times about the size of those flocks. And so when they were faced with that, when they were struggling with that desire in their heart, they were not trusting God. And so when we look into scripture, we need to think about it's interesting the verse that we have up on the screen before the service about being anxious for nothing. We have to take time to really believe that verse. And we face difficult times and difficult circumstances, This time, in this case, regarding money, it could be health, it could be all kinds of things, we have to learn to trust. And we have to learn what God is wanting to teach us and shape us to be more like Christ through that circumstance. And so we have to look to Scripture. When we go to the renewing your mind step, the putting off, it's different. If somebody is stealing, they stop stealing. And then they put on another behavior. If it's loving money, you put off loving money and you put on another behavior. But the renewing your mind section is almost always the answer is scripture. We have to study scripture. And so when it comes to money, I go through and I mark, I use a digital Bible, and I mark that and I put, make it green, I highlight it in green because it's relating to something to do with money and finances, to make sure I'm thinking biblically, and I look at those occasionally, to think how does God want me to think about my possessions and the things that I have? So what is that we're supposed to be doing? What should we put on? And that putting on has to do with generosity, which we would expect, and stewardship, which we probably also would come to, a, to that conclusion. So we see in Scripture, in Ephesians, one of those things for the thief, the thief should no longer steal. They should stop stealing. And they should labor, do honest work, and then they should be able to give to people in need. That's the goal for someone who is struggling with, with stealing. Okay, that's the, the, uh, the putting off, the putting on. But when it comes to us, say you're not a thief, and you, you need to be generous, I think we should think of it two ways. Two ways. The first is the one that we're more f- familiar in thinking of. If I said, we're going to talk about giving tonight, you would giving you would think of your regular giving of your offerings at church. It's probably what you would think. And so that's certainly given in Scripture in 1 Corinthians. It says on the first day of every week, put aside something aside stored up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Understand what it's talking about here. It's Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He's coming in the town, basically, and he's saying, please have the collection done by the time I get there so that in a sense that it's orderly and he can collect that and then take it to the Christians who are in need, uh, who are suffering. And so he wanted an orderly Uh, system there is what he is saying and we can take from that the principle we too should probably plan carefully our giving and that giving primarily we talk about that is to the local church but there's a second part i call that the unplanned giving we see this in scripture a few times and this comes from first john where if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother need yet closes his heart against him how does god's love abide in him there's a time where there's unplanned. You see a need that comes up in somebody's life, they're suffering, and you find a way to be generous if you if you, at all possible can do that. That's, that's a sign of someone who is a believer. And so in generosity, we're not just giving to the local uh, church or to, uh, in addition to maybe another ministry, but we're giving specifically to those in need that we find out about. It's not always, oh, we'll mention that to the church and see what the church can do If we have the means, if we have the ability, this verse says, we need to be taking care of that. But really, the final aspect here that I want to really, want you to really take away is this concept of stewardship. And so when we think of stewardship, it's something that we have that we're responsible to take good care of and we're supposed to use. And so stewardship is um, many different things. Whenever we're thinking of that topic, what should we do? How should we steward something? Think about the first time in Scripture. It's a good way when you're studying anything. The first time in Scripture it was ever mentioned. So if we want to study marriage, we look at the first time. If we want to study um, uh, any religious topic, any theological topic, we look when was it first mentioned in Scripture. Stewardship was mentioned not just in Genesis, where most first things appear, but it actually occurs before the fall. Man was told to keep the garden. So there was something about the garden that needed to be tended to and taken care of. We don't know exactly what that was. It could have been the feeding of animals. It could. Have, we don't know exactly what that was, the planting of new plants, but something about it was a stewarding of that. We could draw from that. I'm not covering that. There's three things I want to look at with stewarding, but we could talk about how should we steward the earth. We're given... The earth to use, but we're also to steward it. And so, how are we careful, and how do we balance stewardship, but not look like uh, the religion of environmentalism? So we—that's a difficult thing to to discuss. It's a great discussion to have, but I don't want to spend much time on that. But no, the first mention of stewardship actually was for creation, and prior to the fall, doesn't change after the fall. We're still to steward um, creation. But the one that we think of, if I said, take care of what God has given you, a lot of times we think of the money or the physical blessings we've gotten, and that's the first one. We, we need to take care of what God has given us, and money is the most obvious one. Matter of fact, Christ even uses the parable. He talks about the parable of the talents, and the talents is not talent, talent, like we think of talent in today's words, but it was a monetary unit. Debatable how large it was, it was large. Some say $200,000, some say far greater than that. So it's a very significant sum he's using in this illustration. And these, and these individuals are given these talents and they're told to do something with them. And of course the one uh, that hides the talent uh, is, is punished in the parable. It's a story that he is relating. No different for us today, although that is a spiritual illustration about the stewardship of the gospel... We're to be stewarding the gospel as well today, but we're supposed to be stewarding money as well. Um, let's assume you have a budget. We'll talk about budgets tonight. Um, some people get really excited about budgets. Some people not so much. Some people look forward to balancing their checkbook every month. Some people are aware that checkbooks exist, right? I mean, it's we don't... <laughs> a lot of times in the day we don't do a lot of budget balancing right so if we don't like budgeting i don't want to i don't want to get too far off on a budget but you might have different categories of budget personally i like a budget item line item a small one that's just for unplanned wants and you know however it's just something you you want to do and you're like wow i got a little bit of budget money some people call it a fun money budget um, some people for different things, some are like, oh no, look, this is on sale, and I have the money saved up for my in my this. I'll use it for that. Okay, that's great. But a lot of times when people set up budgets, is they'll say, okay, where's my giving? They'll put their giving at the top. They'll put whatever amount that is or percentage of their giving is, and then basically it's like the rest is mine to figure out to do with what I want. I'm going to do what I want with the rest of the budget and fill in the rest of them. Now you have obligations. You probably have a house payment utilities, and so forth. But as fast as we can get through those and have as big as a bunch of money at the end for fun, the big fun money budget, we often do it that way. But that the stewarding of our money was the whole budget. And we're supposed to be careful with the entire budget. Um, there's a warning in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, to not lay up treasures on earth Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we do love collecting earthly treasures. And I've heard some people say, show me your budget and I'll show you what you treasure. I've heard people say that. Some popular speakers have said that. And it's, there's really a, a truth to that um, in, in, in a way. We will spend money on what we love. You've probably heard people say, oh, somebody's spending so much money on, and you fill in the blank. How could they spend money? I can never invent, but then, of course, we spend money. Horses, for example. Somebody said, how does somebody spend so much money on horses? Well, they, they value that. You may not enjoy that. But you may enjoy something else and your your budget stays focused on that. So we have to be careful how we steward that money. And it's not ours. It is God's and it's it's ours to use for the glory of God. Uh, But sometimes we don't think of it that way. We've got to be very careful. But setting money aside, which is the obvious one, I think, but stewarding time is another one I think we too often miss. We have moments when we start to think about the passing of time and how we take and spend our time. We have these moments. It could be we run into somebody and you're like, well, how's how's your little one? Because the last time you saw them, the little one was two, and now the little one is in college, okay? I found that happened. I had a bunch of several students uh, here that I taught years ago when I was teaching, and I taught my very first few years of class. So they're actually not that far off my age. They're, very, they're not exactly my age, but they're only four, five, six, seven years behind me. And they remember Anna Grace being born. But they really hadn't seen her for sure and hadn't seen me. And I said, you remember Anna Grace? Yes. Well, she's almost a senior in college. And you could see their face drop. Because they were realizing time had passed. I thought of some things about time passing. Um... You know President Biden probably doesn't like hearing that he is, his birthday was closer to Lincoln's presidency than his own presidency, if you can imagine that. Um, you know, we all remember 9/11 like it was yesterday. Uh, we remember where we were, what we were doing. That's except for the college students in here and younger who weren't born yet before 9/11. And then the high school seniors right now were told in March, that it would just be two weeks to flatten the curve. If you can imagine that. It's been that long since COVID came about. Um, it just seems like yesterday, right? Time passes quickly. But not just looking back to how fast time passes. We need to steward our time going forward and plan well the time that we have. I'm not going to go into time management techniques. You can Google those and figure out for you what works best. I like even changing mind frequently, how I manage time. But you need to be careful about how you use your time. Even just spending 15 minutes a day on a a seemingly pretty wasteful activity perhaps can add up to hours and hours and hours a year. And so we've got to be very careful with how we use our time. It goes fast. We're given it. We're to be responsible with it. Um, But as we think about time, I think James 4 helps put us in the best perspective concerning time. When it says, today or tomorrow, come now you who say this, This is not what you want to say. Today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town. We'll spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. That's the attitude we should have with time. We will have a plan, but we understand if the Lord wills. We understand that every day is a gift. Of time from God for us to use for His glory, and time is passing very fast. Um, I, I I say this a lot to younger kids. I hate to say that because I thought that was me. <laughs> I thought I was the younger kids. Um, you know, I, I sometimes I forget that I'm no longer in my twenties until I go lift something too heavy or something like that. But you 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 don't realize how fast time passes, and to, to cherish. One, but especially to use well uh, the time that we are given. The final category of stewarding. So we will steward our money very carefully. It's God's. He's given it to us to use for his glory, and we're careful with how we use that. We're careful with how we use our time, that we use our time well on this earth. And the last area is that we need to use our, our talent. And not Talent in the sense that singing, for example, we could say is a talent. Yes, you absolutely, I've loved many of the, uh, I've loved all the songs, I shouldn't say. I've loved some of the songs very much. Some of the songs we sang today were some of my favorites. And I love people who have the skill to play, particularly stringed instruments. Um, I enjoy hearing my daughter practice her trumpet. I love stringed instruments. Cello is probably my favorite. I love hearing those instruments played. Um I love hearing that. That's using, using a talent very well. But specifically, I'm thinking of spiritual gifts. And there are some specific ones mentioned in Scripture. We won't spend time breaking those apart. Three passages list a variety of spiritual gifts, things like discernment, exhortation, leadership. And you have these given to you by God. And he expects those to be used. And in his providence, he places us as a body of believers with a variety of those spiritual gifts, you might call them talents, spiritual gifts that he's given to us to use for his glory together in concert. You know, we have teams, you know, that a variety of teams. Football's a good illustration because there's such a different makeup of the person, physically, skill-wise, everything, between each of the positions. And so you have this team that comes together and as long as... Everybody on the team's very good. You have teams all the time that have one unbelievably phenomenal player, but they just have nobody around them, and they really struggle to win. Other teams have a lot of very good players, and they work together well, and they play as a team. Okay, God has designed us as a body of believers with spiritual gifts to work together to accomplish his goal, what he desires to see accomplished, both here and around the world. So we have to think about... How are we going to steward our spiritual gifts? You could spend time reading some of those passages on spiritual gifts, thinking about, what is it that I have? Do I have the ability to exhort people? And a lot of times when you have one of these gifts, you don't necessarily think everybody does. Like, well, everybody can do this, can't they? And they can't. Some people are very good at showing mercy. When people are suffering, when people are struggling, they can jump right in and give great comfort to them could be from their their past experiences, but some people just have that spiritual gift and they need to exercise that and use that. So where is it that you have, where is it your spiritual gift needs to be exercised most carefully? And so as you think about that, stewarding these three areas of life, and there are many, we could talk about many more, stewarding creation and, and other things, but these three areas, money, stewarding time and stewarding our talents and the gifts that God has given us. What are we doing? Where do we need to improve to put on, so we don't love money, but where are we going to put on right behavior to change um, what we're accomplishing here in this body of believers? Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord, we do rejoice and thank you for the passages of Scripture that we've been able to uh, consider tonight. Especially help us to be good stewards uh, of your gifts that you have given us. We rejoice in the unbelievable, untold blessings that we have here um, in this uh, world, in this country, and the blessings that we experience and the freedoms that we have, but may we steward those well and not waste these gifts that you have given us. Give us wisdom to see each and every one of us to see where we need to change those areas that we need to improve, and that we would do that uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name we do pray.